Good morning. I'm going to point this out so you can see what I see. You see, I have a big advantage over all of you because I already know what's in the message. But everything, every song, every testimony, every everything is what I prayed for. It is exactly the message you're going to hear again in a different way. God loves to repeat himself. He likes us to see it. He likes us to go, it was you. That was really you. Like it should be a surprise, but it usually is. <laughs> God is at work here this morning. This past week, when I began preparing for this message, I was all excited because I'm going to preach on healing. And then I spent the whole day in praying in tongues and doing warfare, stomping my foot. And the next day, it was flatter than flat. And it's like, oh, what happened to that, Lord? <laughs> how I thought I was going to minister this word is completely different than how the Lord gave it to me. But while I was stomping and snorting and celebrating, God said, text somebody and have them agree with you for manifestations of healing. I did what I'm going to preach to you about this morning. Every single Sunday that I preach the word, my sinuses clog up. Not Saturday, not Monday, Sunday. Every Sunday <laughs> that I preach. Not the Sundays Mark preaches. <laughs> not the Sundays Pastor Steve preaches. The Sundays I preach. So I went to our prayer ministry wall slash altar. And I said, I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> putting my foot down. I've had enough of this. <laughs> Agree with me. In prayer, we took authority and we agreed. Just a little while later, I was able to blow my nose and clear out my sinuses. Normally, that doesn't work. Manifestations! Manifestations! Yeah, it's a little manifestation, but I'm very grateful. <laughs> and if God will do a little manifestation, he'll do a big manifestation. It's just as easy for him to heal sinuses as it is to heal your back or your hip or your knees, or your kidneys. I also asked God for words. Did we have words? Did we have words? Did God speak? Yes, we had words. I also asked God for words of knowledge. He didn't cooperate. <laughs> he gave me something else instead. It's kind of a strange thing. It's for somebody who's listening. That could be here, or over a CD, or Podbean. He said, Somebody's been asking me, what's the problem? And God says, the answer is right under your nose. At first, what I saw was, it's in your sphere. It's available. What you've been looking for, the answer you've been seeking, it's, you've already got it. You just haven't seen it yet, but it's right there. You're going to come across it. And then the second thing I saw that suddenly came like that was, no, 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 it's right under your nose. <laughs> your mouth, it's right under your problem is this thing, this mouth of yours is messing you up. <laughs> so that's for somebody. And then I heard this. Today, God wants somebody to receive their healing for an emotional hurt. He said, your heart's sick, and that will literally make your heart sick. He says, today, he wants to manifest healing. Today, he wants us to say thank you. Today, he wants us to take what belongs to us and celebrate that we are the healed of the Lord. 
But at the end of this message, we're going to have an altar call. We don't normally do that. (laughs) But God says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of manifestation. Today it's yes and amen. Today. And we're going to give you opportunity to receive and take what belongs to you through Jesus Christ. We're going to have an altar call. You can come and have hands laid on you. Amen. And do not sit in your chair and ignore my altar call because you say you're already healed and you don't need it. Don't you do that. (laughs) God wants to give stuff to us, but he has to get us to get off of our... (laughs) and do something. Act in faith. Get agreement in prayer. I'm only asking you to do what I've already done. (laughs) And I got, I received. It's just as easy for you. Amen? The title of this morning's message is Kings and Priests Rule and Reign. And this message didn't go in any way, shape, or form the way I thought it was going to. So hang on to your seatbelts because I'm going to go fast. (laughs) This morning I want to talk to you about being kings. Okay, God said stop. Michelle, do you have something you're supposed to say? Okay. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and... As his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he had opened the book. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogues were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And God was saying, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. Amen. Amen. You know what I love about that scripture too? He sat down. Jesus is really good at sitting down. And you know what it means when he sits down? He says, there ain't a thing you can do about what I just did. You can't change it. You can't interfere with it. I'm sitting down. He came to declare that the Messiah was here and the kingdom had come. And there wasn't a blooming thing Satan could do about it because he sat down. We've got to get a sitting down attitude. We're not putting up with Satan. He doesn't get to choose. What happens with us? Now, back to the message. (laughs) This morning, I want to talk to you about being kings and about ruling and reigning in life over our bodies in particular. It's January. (laughs) You and I are kings, but if you're like me, you don't necessarily think of yourself as a king. I mean, I don't get up in the morning and think about how I'm going to rule and reign over the powers of darkness today. (laughs) I just get up and get my coffee. I don't think about how it's my responsibility to rule and reign over everything in my life. And because I don't, that probably affects how well I'm ruling and reigning in and over my life. So the first thing I need to be absolutely sure of is that I am truly a king and that I have dominion. In Revelations chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it says this, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that 
loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In Revelation 5, it says pretty much the same thing, beginning in verse 9 and going through verse 10. It says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. Not later. Yeah, we're going to do it later too. And we shall reign on the earth now. And we shall reign on the earth now. That has to be our mantra when we go, I rule and reign today, now. (laughs) We have been made kings and priests through the blood of the Lamb. And therefore we are supposed to reign on this earth, not just after Jesus returns, but even now. We have been made kings for the express purpose to rule and reign now on this earth and in this life. Romans 5.17 says this, For if, because of one man's trespass, that would be Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who take, who receive, take, I always like to say take because we think passive. Those who receive, we just wait for God to just dump it on us. Go ahead, Jesus, just get me. Passive. We have to take. We have to take by faith. The word is lambano. It's not just sit there and wait for it to come to you. No, it says get off your and take it. <laughs> take what? The abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. And with that, we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Death reigned and continues to reign <laughs> over all the power of mankind who were powerless to change it. Unregenerated man could not change the powers that ruled over him. And that's why man tries, even today, through submitting themselves to so-called powers of darkness in an effort to try to get out from underneath the powers of darkness. It's really stupid. They submit themselves to Satan not knowing they're submitting themselves to Satan, and so he just keeps them in bondage. But they're actually trying to get out from underneath his power. It can't be done that way. Now, with the Israelites, God told them that they could live free of the power of death and darkness by submitting themselves to God's voice and God's covenant. In other words, they could live on this earth as kings if they submitted themselves and their way of doing things on this earth to the one true and living God who is the King Supreme. And we see this in Exodus chapter 19, beginning with verse 5. It says this in the King James. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for the earth is mine. Now, when you hear this, what is emphasized? What is the real point here? (laughs) If you obey my voice? You see, that's how I always heard it. Ah, the problem is obedience. (laughs) And if I would just get obedient, I wouldn't have these problems. That's really an old covenant mentality, is to think that what God is wanting from us, first and foremost, is obedience. Now, you may not think that's true, but give me a little time here. To me, the word obedience always comes across as negative, because it usually means I have to do something I don't want to do. You see, we don't call it obedience if we want to do it. (laughs) We only call it obedience if we don't want to do it. (laughs) That's why it always feels negative to me. 
That kind of obedience always comes across as self-effort, making myself obey. But that's really not the essence of what the Father was trying to say here. If we look at the same verse in the English translation of the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it says this. And now, if in hearing you should hear my voice and guard my covenant, you will be to me a people prized from all the nations. Mine is all the earth. The word order changes in different languages. <laughs> Where is the emphasis now? Is it on obeying, making yourself obey? No, it's not. It's not about you getting enough gumption to make yourself obey what God wants you to do. He says, no, no, no. I want you to put the emphasis not on doing, but on hearing. The Hebrew actually says, if you hear, hear my voice. Now, that's very common for Hebrew to use the same word twice for emphasis. But I like it. <laughs> I think we need to hear, hear. There's a hearing that takes place within the hearing. And that's really what he's talking about. In hearing God's words physically, we hear God's words spiritually. When we recognize that we are hearing by the Holy Spirit, we can give our full attention to what we are hearing the Spirit say. And then when we hear what the Spirit is saying, faith comes. And when faith comes, obedience is our desire, not our duty. It's a whole different frame of mind. In Romans 10, 17, in the Jubilee translation, it says this. So then faith comes, or is activated, by hearing, and the ear to hear by the word of God. In the Greek, the word comes is not there. And so I can exchange a word that means pretty much the same thing. We have faith. We have the faith of Jesus. But that doesn't mean we're using it. Jesus had perfect faith and he gave it to us. The difference between us and Jesus is that he used his faith perfectly. <laughs> we don't necessarily use our faith perfectly. Okay? We need him to help us with that. And he does that by causing hearing to take place. When we hear about Jesus and when we hear Jesus speak, those are both appropriate for this context that it is about the preaching of Jesus, because how can they believe unless they have heard? But it also is appropriate that it says, and the ear to hear by the word of God, it's also the rhema of Christ. The earliest translation is the rhema of Christ. We can read the word of God and it can do absolutely nothing. We can hear it and not hear it. But if in hearing it, we hear the spoken word of Christ, we hear God speaking to us by his spirit, aha, faith is activated. You see, you can't activate your faith all by yourself. <laughs> we can't. If we could build faith by quoting scriptures, we would all be giants by now. You see, it's not about hearing singular, but it's about hearing plural. Hearing within the hearing. Physically hearing and then hearing by the spirit. This is why Jesus often said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, everyone who heard Jesus preached <laughs> heard him with their physical ears, but not everyone heard with their spiritual ears what the Holy Spirit was trying to communicate through Jesus' words. So God was saying that if they paid attention to hearing, then the fruit of hearing God would be that they would be a kingdom of priests or kings and priests. Verse 6 of Exodus 19 says this, And ye shall be unto me a king of priests and holy nation. The same verse 
in the Septuagint in English says this, and you shall be to me a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The word there, royal, actually is the word for king. It's translated everywhere else, it's king. He's trying to say, look, I've made you kings, and that's because of our covenant relationship. But you have to understand who and what you are, and that ruling and reigning as a king has everything to do with what you hear. God said to all of Israel, all of Israel, not just the priests, all of Israel, you can rule like kings on this earth, while also being priests who minister to and for God through their own personal relationship with him. This was all offered to Israel before the law was given. God says, we can do this one-on-one. -on -one. You want to? Chapter 20, they say, thanks. No thanks. They say, God, you are way too scary. If we see you, if we hear you, we're pretty sure we'll die. So we don't want to hear, hear you anymore. We want to just hear Moses. He's not so scary. So they turned down the opportunity to be kings and priests to their God. They didn't want to hear, hear God for themselves. What I want you to see is that God's plan hasn't changed. <laughs> God has always planned for mankind to rule and reign like kings over everything that's on the earth, but only through our personal relationship with him, whereby we can hear, hear him. We have to be able to hear and pay attention to what he says. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says this, For as by one man's disobedience, that would be Adam, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, I had always interpreted that a certain way in my brain. In other words, Adam was rebellious. Doesn't disobedience mean I am purposely disobeying an order? Right? Only that's not what that word means. And the Strong's, the word disobedience, para okay, it actually means inattention. And by implication, disobedience. You see, what's the root of this? Ah, you see, it isn't a doing problem. It's a hearing problem. I was surprised by this. I would have thought it meant to transgress the known will of God. But that's not what it means at all. It means Adam didn't pay attention to what God had told him. The root words for this word, inattention, means to mishear, neglect to hear, or to hear within only a local vicinity. You may think, what does that mean? <laughs> I have an example. <laughs> my husband sometimes, occasionally, does this to me unintentionally. He does not give me his full attention. He listens inattentively. Years ago, my husband asked me to pick up our two youngest boys from a truck stop. Their mom was going to drop them off at a truck stop near the interstate, and I would go out and pick them up. And so I was still pretty new to the area back then, so I said, is that the truck stop out by Walmart. And he said, yeah. Okay, great, no problem. So I go to the truck stop, and I'm looking for the children, and I'm looking for the children, and I'm looking for the children. And I'm starting to get a little distressed. I call my husband, the children are not here. He gets distressed. Oh my God, where could the children be? The children have lost. Somebody has taken the children. We're trying to rack our brains. Who has the children? Where are the children? And then all of a sudden he goes, um, where are you? I'm at the truck stop out by Walmart. He goes, that's the wrong truck stop. 
<laughs> I said, oh, wait a minute, I asked you. <laughs> and he said, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. You see, sometimes we hear God that way. I heard what you said, but I don't want to hear here what you said. I don't want to give my full attention. I just hear you in the background. <laughs> I hear you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I already know that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever do that to God? God, I already know the sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -mm. Hear, hear. He wants us to hear, hear. He wants us to give hearing our full attention. That's what I like about this word, inattention. It shows that Adam didn't set out to intentionally disobey. You know what? Normally we don't either. <laughs> How is it that we end up disobeying? Haven't we heard God? But have we given God our full attention to what he has said? If we haven't, do we become like Adam who says, yeah, I know, I know what God says. I'm just going to wander around my garden and roll the rain. <laughs> and he isn't prepared. Adam, because he didn't give the Father his full attention, he wasn't ruling and reigning over his garden the way God had intended. You see, the Father had told Adam to dress and keep the garden. That means he was supposed to manage the garden and protect the garden. Now, what do you suppose he was supposed to protect the garden from? Talking snakes, perhaps? <laughs> Why did Adam and Eve listen to the talking snake? Because they didn't give their full attention to what the Father had said. In Romans 5.19 again, For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made righteous. So guess what the other word is? So by the one man's obedience, the one man's full attention, the many will be made righteous. That word is hoop ek okay. It means attentive hearkening. You see, when we attentively hearken, we want to then act on what we've heard. And we call that compliance, submission, obedience. But it comes first from attentive listening. That means Jesus was a good listener. <laughs> he gave the Father's words first place. He gave the Father's words his full attention. The root words of that particular word mean to hear under. In other words, to hear as a subordinate. Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes I don't do that. Maybe you don't. <laughs> okay. Jesus was equal with the Father in his divinity. But Jesus was subordinate to the Father in his humanity. Okay. So he listened as a subordinate. In other words, Jesus knew what's important here is not what I want. What's important here is what you want. Jesus, as the last Adam, hearkened attentively and subordinately to his father. But not because he had to, but because he wanted to. In John 6, 38, it says this. Jesus says, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. 519, same book. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Most assuredly, I say to you, that the Son of Man can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father doing. Whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus knew the heart of the Father was to free mankind from darkness and death. The darkness and death that ruled over mankind as a tyrant. But Jesus obeyed. He attentively hearkened unto the voice of his Father because he wanted us to become kings and priests. He wanted us to be able to rule and reign on this earth and not to have a tyrant over us. He knew that mankind would never be free from the tyrants of sin, death, and darkness without the precious blood 
of the Lamb being poured out on our behalf. We cannot rule without being in submission to the Father. We cannot rule without being in submission to the Father. Jesus couldn't, Adam couldn't, and neither can we. Everything Jesus did, he did as a subordinate in submission because he wanted to. He understood the plan. He understood that what he had was so important to do that he had to always be in submission to the Father. It was his own desire. We need to hearken attentively to what the Father says about us and to us. He calls us righteous. He calls us dearly loved. He calls us kings and priests. He says that's what we are. He calls us to take up our responsibility to rule and reign over ourselves and our own gardens as subordinate to the King of Kings. We are to bring everything in our lives into submission to the Father's voice, and that includes our bodies. The Apostle Paul makes this point very clear in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. I want you to see this one. It says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You see, I always understood this verse a whole lot different until I saw what was underneath there. <laughs> okay? <laughs> He's saying, who are you listening to? You see, chapter 6, he goes through the whole thing about how we are not slaves to sin, that this power of sin has been broken, that we don't have sin as a master anymore. We don't have Satan as a master anymore. We have been set free. He does all of that, and then he says this. You have been made free. Stay free by paying attention to what you're listening to. Are you listening fully to the voice of the Father, or are you listening to um, sin, flesh, the enemy? He says, whatever you hearken to, diligently hearken to, he says there are results. That's what he's saying here. He says there are results. There are good results and there are bad results. Hearkening unto the voice of the Father always brings good results. Hearkening unto the voice of our flesh and our body brings bad results. <laughs> he says, don't put yourself under your flesh. Don't let flesh be your master. You're supposed to rule and reign over our land, our garden, our bodies, and everything else in our sphere of influence. After discovering what this word obey really means in this verse, I like this verse a lot more than I used to. Over the years, there have been times when I believed I had an obedience problem. I believed I had a self-control problem. But what I really had was a hearkening problem. <laughs> I needed to hearken more and more attentively to the voice of my father. I needed to give the voice of my father my complete attention instead of letting the voice of the snake distract me from the voice of my father. Paul's point is that we need to be aware to whom we hearken, whom we hearken attentively, because the consequences can literally be deadly. That's exactly what he's saying. He's talking about bringing physical death into our garden. He makes the same point in Romans 6.23, where he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I always heard this used to say, unregenerated people are headed for spiritual death, and people who receive Jesus as Lord are saved. So it was about salvation. It was a salvation scripture. Hmm. You might be surprised. <laughs> the word for gift in this verse is not the normal word for gift, which is the Greek word doria, 
But we do find urea in Romans 5.17. We'll come back to the other ones in a minute. 5.17 again says, For if, because of one man's trespass, that would be Adam, death reigned, it was the boss, through that one man, much more will those who receive take by faith the superabundance. You know what? As translators, sometimes you're not on my nerves. Because they leave out stuff that Paul said. He didn't say abundance. He said superabundant. Above and beyond all that you could ask or think kind of abundant. <laughs> the superabundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Whoever receives and takes them shall reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now the word Doria refers to a gift that has its ownership transferred. Such as when Jesus transferred his righteousness to us as a gift. His right standing with the Father is now our right standing with the Father. It became ours. It was his righteousness, but now it's our righteousness. And it's permanently in place. It's done. It's a finished work. He sat down. <laughs> That's a doria of righteousness. It is something that is physically transferred by ownership. But that's not the word for gift in Romans 6.23. 6.23 again says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift. That word is charisma. Sound familiar? <laughs> Charis and ma. It's two words put together. Charis is grace, and ma is effects, results, or working. The effects of grace. The results of grace. The working of grace is Perpetual, zoe, God kind and quality of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says we can submit ourselves to the flesh and earn <laughs> death. Not spiritually, but physically. There's a spiritual aspect to all that is evil, all that is death. Yes, there is a spiritual application. We can sow and reap. That's just the bottom line. Everything that evil it has a, a spiritual aspect to it. But this gift, this grace, it's a grace gift. This gift of grace doesn't refer to salvation or Jesus. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Because what he's saying is, the grace that we've been given in Christ Jesus is always at work on the inside of us. That's what he's saying. He isn't saying, oh, if you receive Jesus, you'll get saved. We already know that. He's been all chapter 6 talking all about that. He's saying, there's something you have inside of you that's always at work on your behalf. So don't submit yourself to the flesh. Don't submit yourself to the enemy. Don't submit yourself to bondage. Instead, give your full attention to the grace that's working on the inside of you. My favorite definition is grace is God's absolutely free loving kindness. Because it's absolutely free. That means there's nothing you can do to disqualify yourself. And there's nothing you can do to qualify yourself. It's absolutely free. Loving kindness. We call it unmerited favor. But this is so much more than those words explain. God so loves that he gave. God so loves us that his kindness, by his kindness, by his loving kindness, by his grace, his grace is at work in us. Constantly trying to persuade our heart. That's another definition of grace. The divine influence of God upon the heart. That grace is always affecting you. He's always trying to persuade you to do things his way. He's always wanting us to give him our full attention. So what this verse is actually saying is God's loving kindness is at work inside of us. It's his grace that is working to produce God's kind and quality of life perpetually. You see, eternal life isn't what you get when you die. 
Eternal life is what you get when you get Jesus. Okay, we have the God kind and quality of life inside of us, but we're not waiting for it to come. He wants us to recognize that it's already here through Jesus, our new Lord and Master. It's usually not popular nowadays to talk about Jesus as Lord. Husband, friend, brother, but he's also Lord. He owns us. That's what it means. It means we're his. He has taken possession of us. We are his. He is our Lord. We are subordinate to him willingly. So anyway, that's why we need to have this superabundance of grace in order to rule and reign in life. We can't do it on our own, especially when it comes to our bodies. They're so disobedient. <laughs> they need to hearken to the voice of the Lord <laughs> because the grace of God is at work in their heart. So scripturally, what does it mean to reign and rule or rule and reign over our bodies in particular? The words rule and reign are often used interchangeably in Scripture, simply referring to someone who has the power and authority to rule over a particular land or people. I found the definition for the word rule was most often defined as having dominion, the legal right to govern and have control over what belongs to them. And the word reign most often refers to ascending to a throne and ruling from there. We as believers have been given both dominion the legal right to govern and control what belongs to us, and an ascension to a throne. You are kings, and you sit on a throne. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23 says this, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, his grace, <laughs> by grace, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, in heavenly places, far above all power, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things, and hath put all things, all things, I love all things, hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. When Jesus ascended to the throne, we went with him. Jesus sat down and started ruling and reigning. It's finished. I've taken care of everything. He brought us with him and says, you're going to rule and reign with me from here. You are a king too. Subordinate king, but no less a king. That's the whole point. He wants us to rule and reign over ourselves, our garden, our sphere of influence, our land. Amen? And we can because he has made us kings to sit with him in heavenly places. We have the right, and this is what we don't always remember, and the responsibility to do what Jesus and his disciples did. You don't get to be kings and just do whatever you want. It doesn't work. He says, you have responsibility. I've given you everything you need to do what I did when I was here. We have the right and responsibility to do exactly what Jesus and his disciples did, exercise the same dominion, and to use our supreme power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's what we've got. It wasn't just for the first 12. If you read in scripture, he gave it to the next 70 as well. And guess what? He keeps on giving it. The same Jesus that did that is the same Jesus in us. This is our 
call as kings over this world. Matthew 10, verse 1. And when he, Jesus, had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Except the really difficult ones, right? <laughs> Just seeing if you're listening. <laughs> no, all means all. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. As ye go preaching, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. It's ours to give away. It's ours to dispense. It's ours to take. It's ours. And God's mission hasn't changed. This is what we are still called to and equipped to do today. We have been given the same power and authority as Jesus. And it's not just for the original disciples, it's for all of his disciples. Amen? In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the physician Luke says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Guess what that means? <laughs> this scripture equates, first of all, all sickness and disease as a means of the devil oppressing us. Isn't that interesting? You see, you know what we think? That's just a natural thing. My favorite one, that's just natural. I don't have to apply spiritual principles to that one. That's just natural. You know what that is? That's natural thinking, not supernatural thinking. So the scripture says, we should look at all sickness and disease as an attack from Satan, no matter how small it is. You see, that's how he gets in. It's just a little blood pressure medication, right? No big deal. I take blood pressure medication. I'm not against medication. The point is, he says, you don't have to fight this spiritually. Just take your medication. You don't have to be healed from this. You can just manage it. What does the scripture say? He said, Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I didn't like that. I'd rather believe it's just natural. Do we apply natural means in our efforts against sickness and disease? Absolutely, because doing things in the natural is also spiritual. <laughs> it's also spiritual. That's the whole point. <laughs> it specifically says that the healing came to the people that Jesus ministered to because God was with him. Now, that may think, well, well, of course, duh, right? But you know how many people think God makes you sick? God wants you to have cancer, so he can teach you a really interesting lesson. God wants you to be sick. No. I says God was with him. God was in on all the healing. God was behind all the healing, and he healed all. Is that his best plan for us? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God is never the one responsible for sickness. Now, the phrase that we're oppressed is actually one Greek word, and it means to exercise dominion against. When I saw that, I thought, hey, <laughs> hey, who do you think you are? You see, my thinking has not been renewed sufficiently where I look at natural attacks as spiritual. I tend to apply natural thinking instead of supernatural thinking. But if I actually saw the powers of darkness 
that are afflicting me, that are exercising their dominion over me, would I stand by and do nothing? No. But we don't think of sickness that way, do we? We think, well, we'll just go to the doctor and take medicine. Should we? If we need to? Absolutely, absolutely. That's not my point. My point is, God wants us to be well. He wants us to understand that when sickness and disease come, there is a power behind that. He may have access to us through the natural realm. There may be natural things that are causing that. But there's a spiritual agenda behind it. And if we don't address the fact that it is a spiritual agenda, it's not an accident that every time I preach, my sinuses act up. You know what I was doing? Well, it's, I'm a little bit allergic to my dog, so that's probably what it is. My dog's not there anymore. This morning, what happened? My sinuses act up. Hmm. God took away my natural excuse. Are you going to apply the principles of the kingdom? Are you going to act like a king and rule and reign over this? Or are you going to just explain it away naturally? So, we could say that Jesus was healing those who Satan was exercising dominion over. Now, if that was true then, it means it's still true today. And when I think about that, it makes me really mad. It makes me want to use my power and authority to rule and reign over not only my body, but everybody else's body too. <laughs> I want to go lay hands on everybody and say, no, you're going, you are healed, you're going to be healed, you're going to stay healed. I want to take power and authority and do something about it because it makes me mad. My Jesus died for me to be well. The stripes on his back were not for no reason. Lambs were not beaten. They were killed peacefully. Jesus paid the stripes on his back for me to be well. I should be mad if I am not well. Not at God, but at Satan. <laughs> that lion snake has gotten into my garden. <laughs> In the same way that the Apostle Paul warned us about yielding our bodies to sin and the flesh, we need to be careful about yielding our bodies to sickness and disease. We don't think of it that way. We yield by not resisting sickness and disease and by not being hopping mad that our body is being inflicted by that stupid snake. Instead, we feel like a victim. What we need to do is act like a king and start ruling and reigning and taking authority and telling our body what it will and will not do and what it will and will not have. Now, you might be thinking, how exactly do I do that? <laughs> How do I exert all of this power? Well, it starts with attentively hearkening to the voice of the Father. Our Father knows exactly how to get rid of the snake that's in our garden. That snake is illegal. It doesn't matter if you've sinned. It doesn't matter if you did whatever, you did something that caused yourself to be sick. It doesn't matter. All under the blood. All under the blood. All under the blood. Taken care of by the blood. It's not legal for Satan to afflict us. Everything he does, everything he does is illegal. He doesn't have any right to be in our garden. Healing is ours. It does belong to us, and if we're not experiencing it, then we may need to exert some kingly power and authority. And we do that the same way God does. How does God exercise power and authority? How does he release power? How did he create the world? He spoke. <laughs> He spoke. That's how one of the ways we release power and authority is by speaking. What do we speak to? 
that snake. <laughs> we tell him he's leaving. We exert power authority by speaking. We also exert power authority by moving. In the Old Testament, when they could see the cloud of fire and the pillar of fire at night, when God was visibly present, whenever he moved, his power went with him. When God moves, power is released. When God moves, power is what comes out. When we move, we exert spiritual power. If I don't feel good, and I say, oh, I'm tired. I didn't sleep well last night. I'm just tired. I don't feel good. I'm going to lay down. Now, I can do that. You always have to involve the Father, because sometimes, yeah, you need to take a nap. But sometimes, it's that snake saying, you don't feel good. You need to lay down. <laughs> Isn't your stomach a little nauseous? <laughs> he will talk you right into accepting sickness and disease. Instead, we can say, even if we feel really lousy, no. No, I'm not going to bed because I'm a healed person. Healed people don't go to bed, except when they want to. <laughs> but I don't have to. That's the point. Speaking and moving releases spiritual authority. If I don't feel good, and I make myself stay up. I'm exerting spiritual authority. God honors that because I'm doing it out of faith. Faith releases the power of God. You see, what we do is we go, oh, it hurts here, and oh, I don't feel good there, and, and uh, the snake just keeps telling us how bad we, off we are. <laughs> yeah, you're terrible, go to bed. But if I truly believe I am a healed person, I am a king that is subordinate to the king of kings, that I have all of his power and authority at my beck and call. If I really believe that, what would I do? You see, when we really believe, it causes us to act. And when we act, God's power is released. In Matthew 21, 18-22 says this, Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only. And he said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon the fig tree withered away? They were dumbfounded. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith, do we have the faith of Jesus? Yes, we do. We have to start there. I do have faith. I'm not lacking in the faith department. These were unregenerated people. We have faith. We have Jesus. And doubt not. And that's where we get into trouble. We say, I know I'm healed. Why isn't this gone yet? <laughs> okay, if I knew I was healed, why would I be asking? Say, I don't really believe I'm healed. Doubt comes in. So if you doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye say unto the mountain, be thou removed, and be cast in the sea, it shall be done. And all things, remember all things? Don't you love all things? And all things, whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Was Jesus exaggerating? Is that the truth? But what happens when we talk to our fig tree and it doesn't wither immediately? We stop believing. We go, why didn't it work? Okay, you just reversed it. <laughs> God says he always gives. 
when we have faith, he always produces. Our faith takes it. We take it. It's ours. And then we say, I don't see it. Where did it go? I lost it again. <laughs> no. We're kings. We're priests unto our God. We have power and authority. We should tell those symptoms to knock it off because we're healed. You see, what we do is we believe the symptoms instead of the voice of the Father. God says we were healed 2,000 years ago. It's up to us to take what has been given because we truly believe it. Our heart sometimes doubts, but Jesus doesn't leave us by ourselves. He has given us the grace that continually affects our heart. He is always continually at work inside of us to help us with the doubts. Jesus said we can release power with our words when we believe that God is backing our words and our words agree with God's word. Our faith is not in our speaking, but in the God who honors our speaking. You see, sometimes we talk to things and we think because we talked to it that we have made it listen. <laughs> who backs our words? Who empowers our words? Do, are we trusting our words? Or are we trusting the God of our words? The God who backs what we say. The God who says you are a king. The God who says you can do this too. You can do this too. You can talk to stuff and it will move. If it resists, you resist back. You don't back down. You don't say, I wonder where that healing went. Why didn't it show up? No, I am the healed of the Lord. And sometimes you're a liar. You have to leave. You cannot convince me that I've lost it or that I didn't get it. Symptoms are sometimes stubborn. And we wonder what's wrong with me that using my power and authority isn't working. When really what we need to say, that's not the evidence of truth. Because symptoms or the lack thereof don't prove we've received healing. You see, we keep looking for the proof. I'm only healed if I see it. I'm only healed if I feel it. Where is our faith? In the God who says this work. He is the one that empowers those words. He is the one. His word always works. His spirit is always effective. Doesn't matter if we can see it or not. In one of the stories where the fig tree didn't wither until the next day, you know what we would have been doing? Why isn't this withered yet? <laughs> Instead of no, 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 no. The power of God was released in this situation and we're having it God's way. We're now having Satan's nonsense. Stubborn symptoms just prove that Satan is stubborn. That's all. He isn't going to just lay down and let you tromp all over him. You're going to have to tromp all over him and make him leave. That's the bottom line. We've got to know that we have received without a child of a doubt. Enough that we act on what we believe. We have to act. When we act on our faith, it's released. Faith opens the door to all things. <laughs> the door opens to all things because they're already there. When we believe, God causes it to happen. But we have to exert spiritual authority. I'm not saying this very well, but I hope you're getting the idea. <laughs> okay, if we move, Jesus backs it. But he can't back what we don't do. That's the problem. We're thinking natural, we're living natural, and we're believing in the natural more than in the supernatural. God has made us kings and priests. 
And he says, we can rule and reign in this life over our bodies, over our gardens, over our families, over our cities, over our nations. There is no limit to our power and authority when we get a revelation of what that is. But the hardest place for us to really see it is in our own garden. We have got to take responsibility for our garden and make it obey us through the word of God. We have to become hear hearers of God's voice. You have to be willing to give what God says our full attention because stuff changes when we give God our full attention. Amen? If you would like us to agree with you, if you'd like to believe you receive, if you'd like for us to agree with you that the symptoms are leaving, most of us, what happens with the word of faith people is we say, I believe I receive, and then we stop. And we don't resist the symptoms. We don't get the power of agreement. We don't take authority over the power of the enemy. He's still resisting us. He's trying to take dominion over us. When I received healing for fibromyalgia, I still had symptoms. What does that mean? Does that mean I wasn't healed? No, it meant Satan wasn't going to give up without a fight. That I had to continue to believe I received and continue to resist the power of the enemy. If you're in a place where you're like, I know I'm healed, but I don't have the manifestation yet. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I'm not trying to push anybody <laughs> into receiving agreement in prayer. But if you would like to, we're going to make it available. Father God, we thank you for these truths. Father God, help us. If we're not hopping mad about symptoms, help us to get hopping mad. Help us to uh, become king-minded. That we become ruler-minded. We become dominion-minded. That we are willing to do and exert your power and your ability in and over our bodies and in our homes and families. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word. You said all things, that we can have all things that you have bought and paid for, and that we can speak to all things and they will listen because you make them listen. Father God, we thank you that you've made us kings and priests, that that's the reality of who we are. And Father God, we ask that you help us to learn to operate as kings and priests more effectively. Father God, we choose to become children who hear, hear, who give your word, your voice, our full attention. Father God, this is our desire. We ask you, Holy Spirit, by the grace that you have inside of us, you help us to become good hearers, attentive hearers to the voice of our Father. And we thank you, Father God, for what you've done today and what you're doing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.